We have been in a series and, uh, um, that we started last week that I'm stoked about, completely stoked about. It's called God Through You. And uh, there's a passage, actually, we'll just have it up on the screen, and we'll read that to kind of get things going. And I'll do a little recap from last week, and then we'll move into this week. Um, it's found in Ephesians chapter 4. It's a passage that a lot of us have maybe heard or read about, and we're just kind of doing something fresh within our church with this, uh, with this passage, because I think it's more than just a passage. It's actually meant to be applied in our lives and within our church, and so we are moving in that direction. But it says this, um, and he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. So we're what, we, what we've just read is that um, God has, uh, Jesus specifically, before he left earth, he has breathed these gifts, these graces on his apostles and, his, and on his disciples. And, you know, the, the gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And so last week we, we unpacked this one gift because the beautiful thing about this is that God did not give one person all the gifts. Because then it would really feed into your and my uh, selfish ego, pride. Look at me, I got it all, and y'all are just climbing on this gift. So, so, so Jesus is like, no, I'm going to breathe these five gifts for the body of believers so that you guys can be in a position where you need one another. Whew. We in our culture have so individualized Christianity and God and Scripture that we don't even fully realize that Scripture was not written to individual people. The Jewish people never operated one-on-one -on -one basis. It was always... Uh, speaking and talking from one community to another. So most of the scripture, when you read it, it's not just for this one person, unless it's very specific. But when it says you, when it says the church, when it says the community or the people, that's what it's talking about, the community of people. And I believe that God is drawing and recreating and breathing something fresh into the church as we know it. And I'm stoked about it because I think it's going to be so revolutionary. Um, and so last week we talked about one of the gifts, which is evangelism. And I just... Um, um, let me back up a little bit. When we started the church in 2012, God gave me a scripture uh, as how we should be modeling our church. And the scripture came on to this story that's found in John chapter 4 about the woman at the well. And so what I'm doing with this series is I'm taking this scripture that we're going to read, this story about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, woman at the well. And we're reading it every single weekend. Um, and, and we're going to kind of look at this story through five different lenses. Last week, we looked at it through the even, um, evangelistical lens, or not the evangelistic, through the evangelist lens. And so what last, year, um, last week, what we talked about is that evangelist basically means someone to preach the gospel. And we see Jesus doing all that through, through this woman, um, with this woman um, at the well. Evangelists are about sharing their experiences, good or bad. It's, they're about inviting people to experience Jesus, not to just know about him, not just to be loved, but to actually experience uh, this Jesus. And Jesus is not, you know, the gospel is not just some good news, some information piece. The good news, the gospel is Jesus Christ himself. And so an evangelist is, is someone who's just trying to move people from this place where it's them to, hey, become part of us. And that's what Jesus is doing as the greatest evangelist. And so uh, it's about, evangelists are about making them be part of us so that people are not left out. Um, and in our culture, we see evangelists, they come in different shapes and forms. And what happens is that we've sometimes contextualized some of the language in scripture to only talk about the church and the spiritual things. And the truth of the matter is, what I said last week was that evangelist was actually a word that was not even in the Christian vocabulary um, uh, when it was written. It was actually a common language that was used. And so the Christians actually borrowed the word evangelist to make it um, 
to have it identify with what Jesus is trying to teach them. Because evangelists are recruiters. You guys been recruited to anything before? They're recruiters. Apologists. You guys know of any good apologists? And those are not people who apologize. Those are the people who kind of try to win an argument. So they're like trying to convince someone of something. Entrepreneurs, storytellers, journalists are evangelists. Networkers, producers, gatherers, those who are doing um, advertising and marketing, they're inviters and they're bringers. So last week we looked at that type of a gift uh, through that lens and read the story about um, the, the, the woman at the well. And I want to, if you have your Bibles with you, open to First Peter Chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Um, and, and, and see, through Scripture, we, have, we acknowledge that Jesus is the, is the best evangelist. Like, he, we see it. If you begin to look for it, you'll see it kind of come through with everything that he, you know, that he did. And also, he was the best shepherd, which is the second thing that we're going to talk about today. And we find this in 1 Peter, uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter uh, 5, verses 1 through 4. Now I encourage you as an elder and eyewitness of the suffering of Christ and one who shares in the glory that is about to be unveiled. I urge you, my fellow elders, among you to be compassionate shepherds who tenderly care for God's flock and who feed them well, for you have the responsibility to guide, protect, and oversee Consider it a joyous pleasure and not merely a religious duty. Lead from the heart under God's leadership, not as a way to gain finance, finance, uh, finance dishonorably, but as a way to eagerly and cheerfully serve. Oh, don't you just go, go back for that. Go, go back to that. Isn't that just beautifully done? All right. Side note. Uh, <laughs> Next, thank you, thank you. Uh, don't be controlling tyrants, but lead others by your beautiful example to the flock. And verse 4, one more. And verse 4, and when the shepherd king, he's talking about Jesus, when he appears, you will win the victor's crown of glory that never fades away. Our Jesus, our God, he's not just a savior, he's not just a king, he's not just Messiah, but he's also a shepherd. And what I think what we find in our culture is that a lot of people who don't fully know God all that well, who are kind of distant from him, many people only relate to Jesus as a good shepherd. They see Jesus as a good shepherd. Because shepherd, the characteristics of a shepherd it's someone who's about nurturing people. It's the feel aspect of the body. It's that I'm going to care for you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to love you. Uh, to put it simply, um, uh, shepherding is basically humanizing people. When we get lost in our stuff, in our agenda, in our work, we know that the bosses stop seeing people as, as people, and they begin to see them only as a way for them to enhance and escalate their business. And unfortunately, we, we do that in church as well. The more people we have, the more they can serve the church, and, and so we just basically are, are, are 10 people, serve, 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 volunteer, 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 you know, come, come help us, come help us, come help us, and people are getting burned out. And the reason that people are getting burned out, there's a few factors, but one of them is because people are not being cared for. We may be so task-oriented 
that we have dehumanized humanity. And that is really hard. That's actually kind of easy to see whenever you think of laws that are being passed and how a person shares a story. And one of the things that has happened in, in church, and here's like the manipulation of it, is that people will share stories that are like very shepherding and caring stories to try to take advantage of your emotions to get you to do stuff for them. Who's ever been manipulated emotionally at the church? Not this church, your previous church. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what happens in an environment is that this person's priority one who is a shepherd, it's priority about caring and nurturing people. They don't really care about whether you're reaching new people or not. An evangelist, he's like, let's go after souls, souls, and souls, right? Billy Graham, crusades, souls, harvest, America's going to be saved. Revival is coming to the land, you know? <laughs> A shepherd, a shepherd comes in and says, dude, evangelist, you're missing it. What's the point of us saving people if, we are not, if we're neglecting those who are currently in our fold? So for a shepherd, he's like, I don't care about reaching the lost. I mean, I do, but my priority is to love people. And so evangelists and shepherds, there is this, why? Because this person's like, the evangelist would be like, hey, I don't care if you love them if they're going to hell. And the shepherd's like, I don't care if you save them if they live in hell. And so all of a sudden, we have like these, mine's more important. No, my gifting is more important. Kind of reminds us of kids, you know? Whatever we have is the most important. Whatever our gift is, that's the most important. What you have is secondary. And I'll tell you what, you're right. You are correct. For a shepherd, that is his most important thing. The thing that's on their mind. It's caring and sharing life with people. Being able to have uh, empathy and sympathize and compassion. Amen. And for them, that is like the top thing. And it's good because that's how God wired them. And for an, ev for an evangelist, his priority is souls. And he's also right because that is important and is vital and, and top priority in his life. And this is what I love because God's not saying, and Jesus is not saying, hey, be a church full of evangelists. All you care about is, is reaching souls or be a church of just those who just love and care and don't judge anybody. He's saying, he's saying for you guys to represent me well, you need both. The evangelist who's concerned about the lost and also the shepherd who is concerned about humanizing the people and being able to walk with them and so if you maybe you've had a, 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 a um, you know a boss and, and so maybe you you have the gift of being a shepherd and you have a boss who maybe is like a really shepherd so you guys just like drama drama everything's drama it's all emotional it's all tears my boss understands me you know and, and he loves me um, and but if you get an evangelist boss like dude this guy's like a jerk you know, this guy's like, like, uh, you know, and, and sometimes we fail to realize that they're gifted and wired different. But imagine if you could understand, and let me even bring, bring it down home. Some of you are married and one of you is evangelist and the other one's a shepherd. And at first, and at first those things attracted you guys to one another. 
And now you're like, dude, this is a problem. I don't know if my husband is saved. <laughs> I don't know if my wife is saved. Why? Well, because she doesn't care about the lost, you know? She just, just wants to snuggle and cuddle and nurture. And I'm telling her the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and she's like, don't judge them, just love them. And it's beautiful because I think we see how it complements one another. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because now all of a sudden you're sitting there like, hey, I know two things. One, I can't do this by myself. And two, is that you're needed. You are needed. God wired you to be part of a larger picture. God wired all of us to be part of a larger story, which is his story. And if you think that you are the king and the main character of the story, that's when we feel like, oh, let me just do my thing because, you know, it's my thing. And Jesus is inviting us as an evangelist to become part of his story. And I think it's super, super beautiful. But then Jesus is, shows up as a very compassionate person. And this is what people don't understand. This is what religious people don't understand. And quite frankly, this is what the world doesn't fully understand. How can Jesus still love me? How can he care for me? After all I've done, after all I've said, after how I behaved. And to really kind of have this gifting and, and Jesus's, Jesus living it out. The other thing that we don't fully understand is that how can Jesus care and love my enemy? My spouse who, who stabbed me in the back and left me. My employer or my friend who took advantage of me. Because we want the wrath of God. We don't even want the evangelists to go over there and, and share the good news of the kingdom. We're like, no, just, just they're fine. Don't evangelize to them. Let them be. You know? And sometimes we don't understand people whenever they mess up. You know, the church rallies around them. Why? Because then you see the shepherds rise up and say, I know you messed up. We're going to love you anyways. I'm going to love you anyways. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Such a beautiful thing to watch. So the core issue of, uh, of a shepherd is the love for the people. Not just individually, but also collectively, for groups of people, too. But it's not limited to just large numbers. It's just, it's a lot of it is just one-on-one. -on -one. Um, the care provider. Um, a lot of the unifiers in an organization or in churches are shepherds because they just cannot bear to have two people who are mad at each other. Like, what's wrong with you people? They're, so they're, they're always trying to bring this person and this person. And they'll set up like blind dates. Have you ever seen that in movies? Where it's like two people are having a problem and this person is in the middle. And so they both individually invite them to this meeting place. And they both show up. And the other person, what, what is the other person doing? No, what are you doing here? Oh, I invited both of you guys. Work it out. <laughs> Why? It's a shepherd heart. Like, I cannot have this, this unity here. I need to have everybody love one another, you know. Sing Kumbaya. That's probably their favorite tune. Um, they're, very, uh, they're very patient. And what's really cool about, about them is that they're very timely. Has anyone ever come up and just tell, told you that you are loved or just embraced you or just kind of recognized you in the time where you were like being undone internally? And then God brings someone and you're like, wow, that's such a timely thing that you've just reminded me that I'm loved and I'm cared for. And God uses people who are wired this way to continue to communicate the Father's love. 
that's so powerful. Because we feel like God is like, he's everywhere. He's, he's doing all these things. You know, he's big. And, and we're just following him. And God's like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I am all these things, but I am expressed on earth through you. The Father's heart is expressed through us loving people, through us caring for people, through us being nurturing, through us paying attention, being patient, through us seeking, and this is one of the other characteristics of a, um, of a shepherd, they seek relational healing. You have a friend who's like, dude, you just need to apologize to your mama. I know she spanked you, but you got to apologize to your mama. That, that's the heart of a shepherd. Have you, ever, have you ever felt that for someone where you're just like overwhelmed emotionally and you sympathize almost too much where it kind of like wrecks you completely, where you're like, you're doing, you're, you know, you're doing your thing and then God brings someone into your life and all of a sudden your whole world is wrapped around this person. That's a powerful gift. That's a powerful gift. And God uses people who are wired like that. But it's not just about emotions and, and, and being kind of oblivious to everything else, but it's about cultivating love. And because through the cultivation, the relationships get more and more mature. So, so, so they do connect with people who are like not really close to them because the gift rises up. But it's also about cultivating this relationship continually, not just a one-time thing. Um, and um, also shepherds are really aware of spiritual network within a community of how things are wired, their desires for, to see people enriched, connected. And another thing that's really powerful about a shepherd is that a shepherd's heart comes into full blossom whenever they want people to understand one another. The idea is, is basically, hey, stop fighting each other and fight the problem that you're talking about. In a relationship that tends to happen quite a bit, there's some disagreement, there's something that happens, and all of a sudden, a husband and a wife, they're attacking one another. A friend with another friend, they're attacking their character. You always, you never, adi, 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 and all of a sudden, they realize, dude, we're not even talking about the problem anymore. We're talking and, and going at it with each other. And so what a shepherd heart, what they do is they kind of come to the mix and say, hey, let, let's try to understand one another before we just lash out and attack the other person. Would life be so much easier if we were actually understood instead of misunderstood? How often we, we, we are misunderstood and how often do we misunderstand others? The shepherd is going to be leading the charge for creating healthy relational communities. It's a beautiful thing because those are not so frequent. All of our communities are online. They're continuing to fail us because we don't really know how to connect digitally. And I'm not saying those are bad. Those are good to have. Um, but at what cost? At what cost? The other thing that I want to kind of highlight with the shepherd, and we're going to read John 4, is the shepherd is also um, aware of the dangers. And so the heart is also to protect and to guard. Always wanting to protect people, themselves, the body, and to guard this with all their life because they understand if people are misunderstood, if people are not loved, it's going to wreck them and break them. And so who can identify to all the things that I've kind of talked about here? 
All right. Um, these people, and I say these people like it's a whole nother breed, uh, because you guys are, <laughs> you guys are a whole nother breed. It's a good thing. You're wired this way. And I cannot wait until at the end of all this, um, specifically like when we, the September 29th stuff, you guys don't want to miss that day. Trust me. Um, we will be, we're going to zero in um, as we unpack what God is wanting to do within our church. And I'm so, so, so stoked about it. Um, but there's going to be a lot more clarity with how we're wired. Wouldn't it be amazing if we knew how we were wired? And even more so if other people knew how we were wired? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, John chapter 4. And there's so much I, I can say about this. I promise you guys. But I, just, I'm just, I actually will just want to read John chapter 4. And, um, and kind of uh, as we read this, to look at this story as we read it together through this lens of Jesus as shepherd. And see, let's see what we can pick up. Um, maybe things that you've never picked up before. So um, let's, let's go ahead and start with uh, verse 5. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Now, okay, I'm going to save this till next time. There's a little beautiful nugget in there. As soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Now, what's interesting, if you go back for a second, last week we talked about Jesus. Uh, well, he, he, he became weary from his journey. Um, and Jesus is God, but he was also human. So he got tired. He got weary. He got thirsty. He got hungry. He, he was one of us. That's the whole point of him coming to earth, to be one of us and show us what he's trying to redeem his people to live like, to be like. And he, and he got really weary from his journey. And then a Samaritan woman comes, and, um, and I think that Jesus is sensing something from her. Like we talk about the shepherding spirit, where there's a, where a sense of brokenness. So Jesus begins to engage her. And we talked about this, that this is, is like an evangelist perspective. I'm going to engage the person that I see. I don't care how they're weird or where they are from, or what's going on, I'm just going to engage them, that the boldness that an evangelist has. And so Jesus demonstrates this just by starting a conversation with her. Give me a drink of water. Okay, let's keep going. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Now, this is a powerful question, because if you want to answer this question, you can answer it by saying that because Jesus is the master shepherd the reason he's talking to a woman and to even add to that a Samaritan woman is because he has compassion within his heart that compassion crosses boundaries and so he begins to engage with her and she responds verse 10 Jesus replied if you only knew who I am now, now, when we think of who Jesus is, we contextualize Jesus based on where we are in life. 
But if Jesus just came alongside of you and he nurtured you and he used people to love on you, when you read this, you'd be like, in Jesus' way, if only you knew who I am, you'd be like, oh, my Jesus. He came along and he loved me. If he only knew who this Jesus was, who will, who will tend to the brokenness of humanity, who will bring comfort to you, who will want to build a relationship with you. If you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you. Now, what's amazing is that, you know, when we think of gift, we think of here is a gift. But here, Jesus is talking about himself. He's talking about himself. And, and then he says, you'd ask me for a drink, and I would give to you living water. Let's keep going. Verse 11, the woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket, and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life that she's like wait what let me keep going her response is what our response should be let me drink that water so i'll never be thirsty again uh, but you see how she, she just humanizes everything and says and and i won't have to come back here to draw water again i love it because as a shepherd jesus is not just talking about her physical condition, but there's also a spiritual implication. And he's okay that she doesn't get it because he's patient, he's compassionate through a filter of love. So we keep reading. Jesus said, go and get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said. For you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who's not your husband. You have told the truth. Pause over there. Now, all of a sudden, not only Jesus has insight into this woman's life, but the woman is actually verbalizing where she is. And if you've ever been broken, and if you've ever been messed up in life, you can relate to this woman. And what's beautiful about what Jesus is doing, Jesus is not just hiding all that and just saying, don't worry about it, it's all going to be good. He's actually drawing it out from her. And he's not drawing it out to condemn her or to shame her or to even reveal that he's a prophet, which is another aspect of what's happening here, but I'm not going to get into it right now. But he's also, he's drawing it out so he can bring healing to a deeper part of her life. And she doesn't even know it. So you have this shepherd who's coming alongside who knows all these things and he just kind of like says i'm about to wreck you and you have no idea what's coming <laughs> has jesus ever crept in on you like that where you're like oh yeah you know how are you doing oh i'm this them this and this really what about that hold on a second <laughs> i don't have time to talk about that and all of a sudden something's drawn out and then 10 minutes later you're bawling on the floor and you, you just don't know what happened not something that you planned for or expected but I do want to highlight, like, 
What, what do you think was going through her mind when Jesus is telling her, I, you know, if you, if you drink the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. Do you think she's going into like the mystics aspects of it, the supernatural? Like, my body will always be refueled with water. I'll always be hydrated. I mean, right? Because we always spiritualize everything. But the fact is that she's like thinking, huh, I think it's going to be pretty cool to be hydrated 24-7. I mean, just, right? I mean, and so she's, she's, she's trying to figure this Jesus guy out. And then when he reveals some stuff, she's like, wait a minute, you're a prophet. But then he's drawing it a little further out. And oh, this is like so heartwarming. Talking, talk about like, like in film how this plays out with the music and the lush, the strings, and the compassion of Jesus. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Oh, did we read that? Go back for a second. Uh, go back for a second. Uh, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who's not your husband. You have told the truth. And then she says, uh, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, she continues, why do, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain? But your people teach that Jerusalem is a place where we must worship, which is right. Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. You see, compassionate, but in your heart. He's, he's trying to draw God closer to her, and she's just trying to distance because that's what she knows. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience. That's the evangelist portion, right? We worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. You, you have to see this connection. Jesus just exposed her heart. And he's speaking about worship to a heart that he just exposed. That was not all fully there. This is so, so rich. For God is a spirit. And he longs. You see, the, you hear the compassion. He longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and truth. The woman said, this is also confusing. She doesn't know what to do with what's happening. But I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. When he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus says, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. At that moment... Like men do, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. And yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. Because we men, we just interrupt. We're like, we're back. We got food. What's happening here? <laughs> food, Jesus, food. What are you doing? Um, all at once, the woman dropped her water jar. It's another thing men do, just scare off women. And ran off to her village. And she told everyone. Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. Do you see? Do you, <laughs> all this conversation about worshiping, about this mountain, about that mountain, about water, about all this stuff, all that boiled down to how Jesus connected with her on this way. Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. And that's what, whenever you're wired and you're walking and you're gifted as a shepherd, when you meet with someone, the impression that you're going to leave is, 
this person knows everything about me because they touched the depth of my heart. They cared and they had compassion for me. And especially when you're in a place where you think so low of yourself and you don't have high self-esteem and someone comes in and brings life and compassion into your heart, this is what she's left with. He's told me everything I've done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Verse 30. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they brought back from the village, saying, Teacher, you must eat something. But Jesus told them, Don't worry about me. I have eaten a meal you don't know about. That's true of a shepherd. Shepherd will sacrifice a meal to love on a person. They really will because they'll get so caught up in what they're doing. It becomes so, so valuable to them that they're like, you know, whatever. Whatever you guys, you guys don't care about this woman, I do. You guys go and eat your meal, but I'm going to love this person. <laughs> okay, Jesus, we love this person too. Like, can we eat after we love on her? <laughs> puzzled by this, the disciples, you see, man, puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss among themselves, did someone already bring him food? Where did he get this meal? And so what's really, really cool about this is that Jesus is dealing with two sorts of the similar people. The Samaritan woman was asking about all this worship stuff, and she's like, you're missing it. And then the disciples are also puzzled, and they're also missing it. So this compassion thing comes out from Jesus, from both, from both left and right, from those who are with him and those who are not with him. I mean, you have to admit, there's so much patience that Jesus had to have for his disciples. Like, <laughs> they're not following us. Can we just kill them? No, hold on. No, don't kill them. <laughs> Let's just let them be. Peter. Oh, okay. I'm not going to go into that. Then Jesus spoke up and said, My food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, Why, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time, for their hearts are like vast fields of, ripe, of uh, ripened uh, grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. There's an evangelistic aspect, the evangelist coming out. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. Verse 37, and this confirms the saying, one who sows the, the seed and another reaps the harvest i have sent you out to harvest a field that you haven't planted where many others have labored long and hard before you and now you are privileged to profit from the labors and reap the harvest so there were many from samaritan village who became believers in jesus because of the woman's testimony he told me everything i ever did now, a lot of times, I want to pause over there. A lot of times we feel like only an evangelist can bring in and get people to believe in Jesus. And although that's a primary, you know, desire of an evangelist, but here you see that Jesus is, has exposed who he truly is to a person who has received him through the shepherding gift, through the caring and being compassionate and loving them into the kingdom. Pretty cool. Then they begged Jesus to stay with him, so he stayed there for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in him because, and then he's, because of his teaching, <laughs> which we're not talking about today. So 
Then the Samaritan said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you told us, but now we've heard him ourselves and are convinced that he really is a true savior of the world. All right. Now, I hope that as we read this, you, be, you, you begin to see a different side of Jesus in this story. Because I think in this story, we see the fullness of what he breathed onto his disciples and, and, and into us as his body, as his church. We see this come to life in just this one incident with a woman, with a Samaritan woman at Tawel. We see him tapping into all of these gifts that he's later on going to breathe into the church. And he, he just represented this, how all of this works. And so if you had like these two gifts, and if you just say these two gifts are two different people, imagine if two different people were approaching a person from two different aspects, from, from two different angles. That's a powerhouse of what, of, of what when God can use two people to communi communicate things differently and how it could be received. This is one of the reasons why we love to bring people up on the stage and have them share and talk and speak and preach, you know, because, because we receive differently. I keep, people keep telling me to, I need to put some stuff on the screen so that people who have a hard time listening to me speak, they can actually see a visual and, and be part of the service, you know? And, and I understand that because people are wired different, you know, and different people do things differently. And so what God is trying to do is trying to bring all of us together so that we can reach our city. But you're needed. How you're wired is needed. And I cannot wait until we begin to explore what that really looks like. So um, just to conclude... This gift of a shepherd is very, very vital, very, very needed. And, and so um, this is like the love aspect of the church. This is the love aspect. This is the nurture aspect of what it means to be part of a community. And this is when people come into a community and they say, I feel loved. That means that what? The strong gifting is working, the shepherding gifting in a community. And um, one of the things that we see in, in our churches in America is that a lot of our churches are deficient. They'll be strong in one of these gifts or in another of these gifts. And so people will come to a church. They'll be like, oh, we're so loved, you know, but they may not be taught really well because they don't have a strong teaching gift in, in play. Or another church would be great teaching, but they feel neglected. Have you ever been in churches like that? Where you're like, wow, this is, you gravitate towards one thing, but then there's a neglect on the other thing. And I think um, part of it is, the, the, I think we've missed the fact that we need one another. And God has actually, Jesus actually has established and given us all that we need in order to create a community that's holistic and that represents Christ on earth well. And so this is what we're seeing in the story of the Good Samaritan, of the Samaritan woman, when Jesus comes in all of his fullness and so you see the great connection of him crossing a barrier to minister and to talk with someone who, who was surprised by his approach. And then on top of that, he's invited to the village where he teaches them and evangelizes them and cares for them and speaks to them. And we see this beautiful picture uh, kind of being painted of how to save a village. 